Fernanda here again. Thanks for hanging out with me. Today, actually, I have Vincent from the band Yara Blondes as my co host. Today, we're going to be talking to artist Lexi, known as Blood Boy. Lexi is the super cool, badass artist influenced by the punk attitude, and now she lives in Joshua Tree. She'll be telling us all about that. By the way, Joshua Tree is like my favorite place in the world. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Check it out also our playlist. The link is on Instagram. I made a playlist for you guys with all my favorites from our band's guests here on the podcast, future guests, or any LA band that we like and thought that will. Would make sense to have it there, and I hope you enjoyed that as well. So, here today on Hanging on Sunset, I'm here with Lexi. How are you doing? I'm great. How about you guys? We're great.、Uh, we're so excited to have you here. Thank you. And Lexi,、sure. it's actually known by Blood Boy, and she's going to be telling us about it a little. And we always start the show with the, our main question. <laughs> so it's going to be a bomb question right at the beginning for you. So, what did you do to save rock and roll?、Uh, I. Don't feel comfortable claiming to have saved rock and roll.、Um, but I guess for the sake of answering the question, I think I, I have always,、um, I've just been drawn to the, the anger and the no holds barred sort of、um, attitude of rock music, or punk specifically, is what I grew up listening to. So, As we were talking about a little bit earlier, there isn't a lot of,、um, there's just not a scene right now really that's thriving. And I, I wanted to try and cultivate、um, a space for, for people like myself who are tired of listening to stuff that doesn't feel emotional or.、Um, not to say that punk and rock music is the only emotional music, of course, but, but the emotion is like, Impossible to ignore, you know, and so I, I, I tried to have my music reflect that as best I can. And I love that. I love that you mentioned about punk because my first reaction when I listened to your music it was like very like Joe and Jad, like a little bit like the way, like the way that you dress. And I, I was just, I, I love it, the whole thing. So, how did you come up with Blood Boy? Oh, I used to make up way better stories because I, <laughs> it's actually very boring. I love that. No, tell me. It, it got too hard to keep track of the lies. So <laughs>、um, the truth is that I was playing in a band a few years back. Actually, it was more like almost eight years ago now. And we were trying to think of a name for the band. And we were at、um, Old or Ye Rustic Inn in、um, Los Feliz. And everyone was throwing out names, and I don't know what inspired me to say Blood Boy, but I was like, How about Blood Boy? And everyone was like, No, that's bizarre. <laughs> ANR Nightmare, like, what are you talking about? 
And so I, I put it to rest and we went with a different name that really sucked in my opinion. But um, it stuck with me after we broke up the project and I just kept going back to it. So um, as far as what I felt connected on the name, I have been telling this story for a long time and it is true. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor and my uncle, I was like 12 at the time, my uncle asked if I wanted to scrub in and watch him perform reconstructive knee surgery. <laughs> so I did and I like was watching over his shoulder the whole time as he was performing surgery. And I just remember thinking that I don't understand the hysteria around blood and why people are so grossed out by it because how old were you at the time? I was like 11 or 12. Oh, pretty young. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I've just never, it's in all of us, you know, it sustains our, our life forms. And I don't get that people are like so disgusted by it. So the boy syllable, I think I, I personally hate the name now. It's like I'm, I've entered that phase of my career where I am just bored of it and would love to change it. But I just, I've never um, fit the stereotypical feminine characteristics that society, you know, places on us. And <clears throat> now that we're talking so much about gender fluidity and non-binary um, folks, and, and it feels like because I don't identify as non-binary or gender fluid, feels a little exploitative now. And I, I wish that that I had been mindful of that at the time. But um, but yeah, that was that was the story behind it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I think it's pretty badass. I, I really yeah. like him. Thank you. Um, how, how long have you been in Joshua Tree? Because now you live in Joshua Tree, you said, right? Yeah, we, I, my, my fiance and I moved out here two months ago in the middle of all the craziness, of course. Uh, but I've been wanting to move here for like five years. It's just okay. such a magical... I, I know, I love Joshua Tree. I, I always run away. As, as soon as I have some like a little time or break, I always go to Joshua Tree and I just feel like disconnected and some people like they're asked they always ask me why do you like it there so much <laughs> i just think it's timeless it is it's so i i feel this sense of calm here that i never felt living in la and i just the air and the no totally i mean la is super overwhelming exactly you guys don't know sorry to to throw it out there if you guys yeah. are and listening to it yeah it's <laughs> Well, it's true. I mean, and there's a lot to love about LA. I was in LA for like seven years, but it just, we reached a point. My, my fiance is an artist as well. Um, not a musician, but a, a fine artist and um, he makes furniture and, and it's, we have three times the space out here that we had in LA. I have a studio in uh, the back house. So it's just, uh, we feel like we have more space to be creative here. Oh, that's amazing and uh emotionally so do you record your music at home now now did you say uh, or just in general? are you using the studio to record your own music oh, oh yeah 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 it's i i have my process is usually i'll 
record and produce things and take them as far as I can. And then usually have to solicit people to come. I'm not good at bass. I can only really uh, get the ideas down. So I usually have someone re-record the bass and then I'll have a drummer do the drums because I, I don't play drums either. But um, yeah, for the most part, I can get it like 80%, I would say, and then have to call in the big guns. <laughs> That saves a lot of money already when you came up with 80% of a track by yourself at your place. That is true. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> definitely true. I wish it had always been the case because it, it wasn't. When I was first starting out, we made a lot of mistakes as far as we just didn't know how much stuff is supposed to cost. We got taken yeah, for a ride. I can to that. Being in a band myself, there's a lot of things that I wouldn't do the same. Yeah, exactly. You know, if exactly. I knew. <laughs> yeah. The younger generation, they've been a pretty good job at, uh, about recording themselves and releasing themselves, all the music, yeah. the label and everything. That's the amazing part of the new technologies. I, yeah, I feel like that's the, the, actually the pretty much one of the only good things about the technology because uh, yeah. we are able to do like record from whatever. We were able to do that. Like I, we were like doing right now a podcast and you were in Joshua Tree, we're here. Yeah. In exactly. LA, so that's pretty awesome. That's I, excuse me. I used to be a substitute teacher, and uh, seventh and eighth grade class that I had for like two months. It was a long-term assignment. They actually had an after-school program that was teaching kids music production, which I thought was really cool. So the kids would. I mean, it's they're super engaged in like programming their little drum beats, and and it's. I mean as far as like you were saying technological advancements that's that's one of the the ones that i support especially kids at 11 or 12 years old learning how to to do that stuff wish if only that had been around when when i was growing up so now talking about the time that you were still living here in la were you playing shows and stuff yeah i the last show I played was actually my record release show last year. It, so it's been over a year since I played a show, but that was at the bootleg. Um, yeah, I'm not, I, I love performing live, but it also gives me really intense anxiety. So if I can force myself to like move past that and, and get actually physically up on stage, I love it. And I totally black out while I'm performing and, um, you know, become a, totally different person but the actual i don't it takes a lot for me to like get motivated any to. any funny stories about performances in la you can think of oh i played um <laughs> do you remember i don't know i think they're called they used to call it broke cella but now i think they call it broke la broke and, uh, <laughs> it's the same weekend as coachella and it's it's turned into quite a production um but I headlined it a couple years ago and I wore these like really high patent leather red boots and they, my heel snapped off one of them halfway through the show. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. But I kept it on and I just was limping for like <laughs> okay, that's rock and roll. Just gonna keep going. Yeah, exactly. And then buzz bands wrote, about it that it was like the worst show i've ever played <laughs> oh, i doubted that that's that's hilarious that's a good one yeah it's and i like that uh bus has always been super supportive so i was like god damn it that's 
Like, come on, guys. I had one one good shoe. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that was the most notable, probably. I, I don't know. I've, I've gotten a lot of comparisons to like Karen O uh, as far as my onstage presence, which is cool. She's like the most fun performer to watch. So <laughs> I'll take it. How do you get the ideas for your like um, your performance like looks when you're on stage? Um, that's a good question. I don't really plan anything too far out. I, I'm sort of a 30 minutes or an hour before the show. However, I'm <laughs> since you have like anxiety performing. Are you trying to hide behind a persona when you're on stage? I would say there's probably an element of truth to that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, a therapist would probably tell me there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> <laughs> All of us. I'm sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I actually did talk to one about it and there was a lot of um, keeping people at arm's length because it's easier to not feel emotionally, you know, invested or whatever and, and vulnerable. So yeah, I would say there's, there's definitely um, using the blood boy persona to, to get past that is, is something I'm probably guilty of. <laughs> That's interesting. That was very interesting. I love that. Um, we always ask two questions to our guests as well. The first one from the time that you were here in LA, because I know as we are on a census trip, we know that it's not the same, like the whole scene, but it's where everything started. It's yeah. really sad that like people don't go to shows at a whiskey at a Viper Room with the same excitement like back in the 80s and 90s it's really really sad and like because all it all started there like did, did you ever hang out on that spot like what would be like your favorite spot on a census trip if you can uh, i actually have only been to maybe two shows one of them was a metal cover band and i don't remember who they were covering <laughs> <laughs> it was really kind of depressing <laughs> um only because <laughs> There's no one else there. My friends and I had like taken mushrooms and we're just wandering around the Sunset Strip. But um, I'm trying to think of if I have a, yeah, I don't, I mean, my favorite spot on, on that, <laughs> the strip would be probably Rainbow Room as far, like I, I went to Rainbow Room all the time in LA um, and had some weird fun times there. But like the venue venues, I can't think of anything super notable which is sad because it was so such a thriving scene. exactly it's very it's very sad and it's so funny that you saw the rainbow i feel like everyone says the rainbow <laughs> oh really yeah. it's only one any of us know <laughs> and also right now because of the pandemic and everything it's pretty it's pretty much the only spot that's open and i live okay. distance to the from the rainbow so there's not pretty much you can do like they they transform like the whole parking lot like in the like, tables they have a pretty nice setup yeah so i've i don't think i ever i've i've been to the rainbow a lot but i feel like i've been going there more because right now that's the only option <laughs> <laughs> do you go to loaded ever what do you go to loaded ever that's a good i don't think i've ever been i've there. been there i've been watching bands perform there a couple yeah of but yeah. i I'm not sure it still exists. Oh no, really? Yes. I don't think so. Yes. I was like, 
Oh man, that makes sense. Or something like that. Yeah. Well, we have to look. We have to look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, whenever this is all over and all the artists can go back and perform and tour, we're gonna see which one of the venues they're going to. Got it, Troy. Which is another very sad subject. I know. I can't. It, it makes me so sad to think about. It. It's just. It's awful. But I think that uh, in the at least during my time in LA, the rock scene, whatever rock scene there has been, is really more in the East, like Echo Park is is more where that. Yeah, I feel like the whole scene is, if it, there is some sort of scene, it's all in Echo Park, Silver Lake area for sure. But now that, um, I don't know if you guys heard about Burger Records getting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the the demise of Burger Records. So mm -hmm. now it's that scene is even going to be displaced probably too because they were such an instrumental part of the rock scene in LA for so long. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the main reason we created the podcast because yeah. we're like, uh, since artists are not touring, yeah. like there are no there are no shows. So and the scene is disappearing. Like so, we need to do something. We need to get everyone together because we all like grew up like punk rock or like grungy or like all because we we know that all the there's a lot of artists still doing rock music and we are yeah. a lot of bands and and uh, you know different people doing that there's a lot of fans too but somehow we're disconnected i think yeah. like, uh, other cultures like hip-hop for example they engage so well with the new medias you know, yeah. social networks and everything and somehow it wasn't fit for rock and roll yeah it's it's a very weird time for me for rock music so yeah. we're trying to figure it out what is missing because the fans are there we are here the artists and we want to be loud and especially right now like all this like election and like this whole like movements and the protests i was like it's the perfect time for rock to come back and we need a voice i think so i think that what hip-hop has done that for whatever reason, rock musicians haven't, I, I just feel like there's so much, rock is, is more censored and, and kind of sterile now. Um, and I think that rock musicians are less comfortable taking risks than hip hop artists. Mm -hmm. um, there's back in the, in the 60, the 50s and 60s, the rock producers were on the cutting edge of, they were creating literally new ways to record music and it was such a progressive um from an engineering and, and recording standpoint rock music was super progressive and now it kind of feels like a lot of artists instead of trying to pioneer new sounds and and um new ways of you know a new revival spin kind of thing on rock music they're they're kind of regressive in a lot of ways in trying to recreate old sounds and hip hop is doing the exact opposite they're um i feel like sonically a lot more progressive so could be partially that too but not to say there aren't any rock artists or punk artists who are you know pushing boundaries or whatever but but specifically like the burger record scene for example so many of those bands sounded exactly like bands from the 70s and 80s and and 
it was, you know. I think there's too much nostalgia. Exactly. I was just going to say it was a nostalgia thing. Um, but that was really kind of antithetical to how rock music started. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah, I think that's something that I'm mindful of um, now while I'm working on new music, just trying to, you know, be more innovative than I've been in the past. I mean, we love to hear that. Like, and the second question was actually, what is missing in the rock scene? But we were just discussing that. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. We pretty much <laughs> we answered. Got a little passionate <laughs> <of> ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So talking about your music, tell us about your previous work and what you're working on next. Um, my la the record I put out last year was called Punk Adjacent. And that was uh, kind of a tongue in cheek title because I've always wanted to sound more punk than I do, I think. <laughs> you, actually, you actually do, because like I said, like for listening your music for the first time, and I immediately I thought about punk. I was like, this is so rad. <laughs> Thank you. Listen your um, visuals too, there's attitude. Exactly, like like Pat Benatar, like all, all that, I can see that on you. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. My younger self is, is smiling. <laughs> <laughs> because I always, I have had this weird internalized thing where I didn't want to sound too girly, which is so silly. And I, I don't feel that way anymore. But that was, I always kind of felt like I, I sound so pop and, um, and so feminine and that, and that the punk thing was just never going to happen for me. So <laughs> good thing. Or good, good to hear you guys say that. But um, so punk adjacent, I wrote in Louisiana, actually. I went to this really tiny town called Arnoldville, which is like 45 minutes outside Lafayette by myself in the middle of the summer and just did a bunch of drugs, <laughs> acid. <laughs> and um and wrote the thing and then came back and worked on um the production stuff with my friend taylor Locke, who is part of the band i don't know if you guys remember rooney um they yeah. were like a, a pop boy band type uh, project yeah so he did um a lot of the production and our friend kyle as well who plays guitar for me um and yeah we just it was largely inspired by the years like 1976 to 79. I unknowingly made a reference uh, list of albums and all of them coincidentally fell into that time period. It was television um, and Blondie and Bowie and I'm trying to think. Oh, and the cars and the Love cars. Yeah, me too. So yeah, that was the, the sonic inspiration behind it. There's really no cohesive um, themes. So these are like their main inspirations that you, that you grew up with and then- Yeah, yeah. Today. yeah, exactly. So yeah, that was a super fun project that I really, or a record that I really, really liked making. Um, the first record I put out was way more disjointed in that there were like five different producers who worked on it by the end and none of them together so all the songs sound completely different i think in in a not good way <laughs> um 
And it, it was done over like three years, just random sessions here and there. And I really preferred the me and Taylor and Kyle in a room for a month or so, just nonstop, like really in the mindset the whole time that that's how I prefer to work. So that hopefully will be the case this time around. Taylor and I have talked about after, um, I think I'm going to use the rest of the year probably to just continue writing and fine tuning and, um, and then have a little reconvening in the beginning of the year and talk about direction on the production and stuff. So, so yeah, that's, nice. I feel like, I don't know if, if it's just COVID or the state of the world, but I used to be a lot harder on myself in like having to have a timeline like this is this gotta have the um you know i i haven't put out a record in over a year and the old me would be like what are you doing you have to put out music right now everyone's gonna forget about you no one cares and now i'm like <laughs> i don't i mean if five people like the record that's awesome if everybody else forgets and no one else takes time to listen to it after, you know, when I finally put it out, then that's, that's fine. But I think allowing myself to take time in this process is important. So. Yeah. I feel like all your own time, like we don't, we cannot like creativity is not like that. Like, Oh, I'm creative. I'm going to be creative today. That's not exactly. how it happens. Unfortunately. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it can be frustrating. There are definitely days when I was younger, I, I could write 10 songs a day. No problem. Um, but as I've gotten older, I feel like I need to, I don't want to just say anything just because I feel like I, or I don't want to write just because I feel like I have to, I, I, I want to feel like I have something to say. So there are days I don't write here. Um, and it sucks. I don't like, you know, going a, a, an extended period of time without writing, but also there's other stuff I can be doing in that time to help facilitate the writing. You know, I like to read and, um, and, and besides <laughs> music, what, is there anything else that you enjoy doing right now? Um, I have taken a real interest in interior <laughs> design stuff. Um, this is the first place that I've ever actually gotten to like curate my own space because I moved in with my fiance. He had already had his, uh, had his space all, all decked out and my place before that was furnished. So this is kind of a new, new territory. And, um, I've been completely obsessed with Facebook marketplace. Like we got all of our stuff on Facebook marketplace and it's become a real obsession. Like I. I, I got a, a an umbrella off Facebook Marketplace. I won't go to like a Target or anything if I could just go on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> um, so that there's that, and then my fiance, like I said, also um, is a, a fine artist and and works in a bunch of different medium media. Um, so he's taught me a lot about the actual physically like building the furniture and he's made so much of our stuff which is amazing um but i think doing some some sort of collaborative project with him at some point is something that i'd like to make happen other than that 
I do a lot of browsing on Twitter. <laughs> it's so funny. I feel like I was never into Twitter and it's just blows my mind. Like, it feels like I'm missing something. I was like, hey, Fernanda, you gotta get into it. Like, it's the world right now. I know. It's so addictive. I swear I probably spend like four hours a day, legitimately four hours a day of just going like this. And it's really bad. I'm not proud of it, but <laughs> I learned a lot. And I, I, I don't say that like to be funny. I legitimately feel like I learn a lot on Twitter. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I definitely should get it more out there than on Twitter. Yeah. I follow a lot of political activists and, um, and, and, you know, it's not like, I don't follow people who are just saying random shit. I'm, I'm looking for threads that are like informational or whatever, but, but yeah. Um, do you incorporate that in your music, the knowledge you get from activism? I do for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, it's a little premature to, to say the name of the record, but it's, people are, People aren't gonna like it. <laughs> I already love it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not. I'm I'm very far on the left side of the spectrum. Um, so there's there's certain s words that people like to throw around um, on the right. That <laughs> the big s. I I don't know if you guys are are <laughs> following, but. Um, Socialism. I'll just no, I, I, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a nod to to that in the title of the record. So nice. So, so your next record is going to be very political. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Um, and it's tough to to do that. I, it, this is the hardest I've had to work ever to to figure out a way to write political music without sounding like. I feel like in the 70s and 80s, people did it so effortlessly, but now it just sounds really silly. It's very easy for political music to sound silly now, I think. Um, so writing that line between having it be meaningful and political and angry and also not cliched and, and silly is, is tough. So it's kind of what I'm working through right now. But, but yeah, there's not gonna be a lot of uh or there there's gonna be a lot of people that don't agree <laughs> in regards to your like fans and people that listen to your music and i even noticed that keep your disease which i'm obsessed with oh, thank you. i love that song and it has, and it has a very high like listening on spotify is it how do you feel about that how um it's kind of a bittersweet because I used to be really obsessive about going on and like seeing how many monthly listeners I had and how many people were like just looking at the stats and I don't do that anymore because the longer that I wait to put out music obviously the more it dips <laughs> and that's just the way that it is if I'm not putting out music and I'm, you know, people eventually move on and, and start listening to other bands and, and that's normal. But um, when I first started putting out music, I was really, Spotify was really supportive and, and I was lucky to get on some big playlists 
um, I got on New Music Friday randomly. Amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Which is like insane. It was my first song I put out. Um, so I went from having like a hundred thousand listeners monthly to now, like, I don't think look probably a few thousand only. So I, 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 it's, it's wonderful that keep your diseases reach so many people, but I also like try not to think too hard about it because it has a tendency to make me a little sad. <laughs> I feel it's one of the problems too of the music industry right now. If you're not on a big playlist, mm -hmm. what's your, what are gonna okay. be your chances? Exactly. <laughs> and that's why I think we need to figure out how to bring back something that is live and not just, you know, dadas and stats like you were saying. Yeah. You can build up a community of people that will support each other. Absolutely. Live performances. Maybe yeah. propose something new. We have to think yeah, about this. That. And, and uh, not just, you know, because uh, as a musician in LA, when we were playing on the Sunset Strip, it's always the same. You're yeah. just booked on a slot and uh, you have, uh, you come with your friends that supports you and then another band's going to perform and they're not yeah. related to you at all. You don't know yeah. them not curated at all and yeah. it feels like you're just filling up a slot really yeah, exactly and so that's why we try to we we created this podcast but also a community that's called team nowhere that's oh, the that. and we are currently building a team of people of you know different horizons with goodwill not only musicians but fans too and trying to uh build a community that will come up with new ideas Actually, uh, we launched that in France already this month, and we awesome. have uh, a thousand people that joined us on the Discord, like a you know chat, <laughs> and they're yeah, yeah, yeah. creating actions like concrete actions, raising money, that's uh, incredible, selling merch like T-shirts and stuff, and then we will put that money towards concrete actions to you know create new events uh, for the community, and that's amazing. We're building it together. So some people yeah. are developers. Some people are better at uh, videos and stuff. Right. So everybody brings their skill on the table. And uh, here, Fernanda is, is trying to launch that in the US with the podcast first. And uh, it's going to be uh, one of the things we're going to do to create a platform for this team. So that's, that's awesome. something that, that you think that would be uh, yeah. useful and doable in LA because it's not like totally. Fresh. And we are we are in LA. Like this, the, the music scene is completely different. There is MTV is not in a picture anymore. Yeah. People don't really listen to the radio. I mean, there's still like K Rock and the big stations are still yeah. out there. But mm -hmm. who listens to radio now? When you're driving, you put on your Spotify playlist. Your exactly. So, and podcast is one of the outlets now that are really big and people actually listen to it. So it's like, we need to create a channel that's going to connect all those artists, all this, once we can have shows and events so we can have people involved, people like, we're gonna go see you perform and there's this other band that's coming and then you're actually passionate because I feel like what's missing in rock as well is before it was like, right now, it's all about if the music's gonna sell, like you said, like exactly. how they're gonna be, they're gonna have a million listeners a monthly on Spotify. People forgot about like putting your like your visions, your feelings. It's more about like, oh, this melody is catchy. Like that's what like people invest like tons of money and they totally forget about what's rock and roll. Like I've, we yeah. talked about that recently Kids nowadays, they don't know what's rock and roll. I know. They, don't. they know the t-shirts. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, like, yeah. no, it is, it's, and I, I don't fault anyone necessarily because I do think that it's a cycle and that eventually, um, you know, there will, there, there's gotta be a revival eventually. But the odds are definitely stacked against us right now, especially when, like you were saying, the unless you're getting playlisted on Spotify, they've completely monopolized streaming, and they're I, I use them. Everybody, you know, we all do. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, it's the most popular streaming for sure. Yeah. But also, it's not an even playing field at all, and they get obviously thousands of submissions a day, and I, and they can only. Um, you know, includes so many people on their playlist, but there's very much a bias uh, towards major label artists that, you know, are investors in Spotify. <laughs> yeah. So it's, and, and then the CEO of Spotify said something recently that really was just so out of touch in, in that people, he kept saying something about people needing to put out content like every eight weeks and you can't about that be, yeah do you did you hear when he said that it was just uh, yeah like, like he doesn't know how much it costs to do it first you know yeah exactly time, we need money we need it's a, a lot a, a whole process exactly it's a factory exactly it's not a factory and and on top of um the money and the time it actually takes to write music then you have to you know in some cases find musicians to, yes. you know, it's, and, or producers, and that can be a trial and error process. It's just so ridiculous that it's turned into, you know, it's, it's completely commodified. So uh, I think that's awesome that you guys are, are building, um, you know, something. Thank you. In, in real, you know, well, thank you. Yeah, we want to support you guys and because I know you guys are working in some pretty awesome music and let everyone know that. And by the way, what do you think of the uh, musical community in Joshua Tree? Uh, it's fucking awesome, actually. We don't go out much because we're still trying to be mindful um, <clears throat> of the pandemic and all, but we did go to a, sorry, let's fly. My ear. We go to a bar recently. That's when I say bar, it's like a few couches outside in the dirt. <laughs> but um, this guy, he he was putting on the show. He had an incredible, incredible voice. He was probably like late sixties, total like washed up rocker vibes that I love. Um, so it it kind of got me excited about the prospect of trying to play some stuff out here because. If there are a shit ton of musicians and really good ones too. So I think once the world starts to go back to normal a bit, we'll be able to immerse ourselves. I say we, he comes with me everywhere, but <laughs> um, but I'll be able to start immersing myself in the musical community here a little bit more once that happens. And I'm excited too. Very cool. I used to go all the time to Peppy and Harris for sure. Oh. It's I so love Peppy. It's like my favorite place in the world. The best. I know. Oh God. There's and a, also, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, there was a, actually a place that just opened up right down the road from Papa. Oh, is that the one next to the Pioneer Motel? Um, a new bar or something? I, I think I heard about it. Red Dog Saloon is what it's called. It's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think that's what I read about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. Have you been there yet? No. 
Yeah, we went last weekend. The food's really, really good. There's definitely opportunity for them to to utilize. Yeah, I'm dying to go there. Also, I, I feel like, because there are two days a week that Fabby's are, it's closed. So mm -hmm. I used to go to the Joshua Tree Saloon. They, they had open oh, mic yeah. there too. That was a lot of fun. I have, I live right across the street from it. Oh, my. Oh, that's amazing. Walk there, yeah. But yeah, I've, I've been there many times. Before we moved here, I, we haven't been there much since we've been here, but they have um, a karaoke night as well that we used to Nice. <laughs> we love those too. Oh my God, I love karaoke. I'm super annoying at it. Like, take it way too seriously. <laughs> What's your to-go song karaoke? Oh, I, I kind of... Um, fluctuate between a few different Bowie songs. I do Ziggy Stardust a lot. My Bowie impression is pretty good. <laughs> I can see that someday. <laughs> yeah. Um, some Every once in a while, I'll do Whitney Houston as well, which I, I butcher, but it's fun to, to try. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Very cool. Um, Have you heard about the Beatnik Lounge? Um, it's where the Radio Free Joshua Tree was. It's like a yeah. little community that they have yeah. in your house, I guess. It's right next to uh, the Thai restaurant, maybe? Is that? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. I have seen it, but I haven't yeah, I haven't been there yet. Well, it's push the door if you, uh, if you, uh, if you go some, sometimes uh, close to it because there are very nice people like Teddy yeah. Queen. Over there, he he was one uh, of the hosts of Radio Free Joshua Tree. Oh, cool! He did with uh, internet radio about all the community in Joshua Tree. He was oh, hosting uh, open mics at Pappy and Ariets and at the Joshua Tree Saloon. He's definitely a great artist and a great guy. So, oh, that's good to know. Eddie Queen, shout out to you. <laughs> that's yeah, that's really really good to know. And since we're here to support, mostly support rock and the artists. Um, what would you ask for like your fans or people that don't know your music yet? Like if you want to like, how you, would you like describe your music and like, like, would you like them to go and save your music on their playlist? Like give it a try or like, what, what would you ask people to get to know you? What's, what would be your call to action to our listeners today? <laughs> what, can do to, what can they do to help you right now? One action. Man, that's tough because I feel like there's um, there's so many causes that really need <laughs> a, a call to action. So I feel weird about asking people to go, you know, take times out of their day to listen. Or anything to else. Or anything but else. If they are already listening to us, it's like halfway there. It's good thing on your work. Um, I would, I would say punk adjacent, the, the record that I put out last year is, is much more representative of, um, of my artistic vision than the earlier stuff. So I would direct people to, to listen to that. Um, I think it's got kind of a playfulness that, um, I, I don't think is that prevalent in music right now. Um, it's kind of a Cars meets Blondie, um, I don't know if that's <laughs> accurate, but that's what I was going for. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, but I also, you know, I feel weird telling 
So people do it. We'll tell. We'll tell. We'll them. tell them. Don't worry. Yeah. Do it. I'm so bad at this, obviously. <laughs> Share it. Tag. Check it out. Her music's great. Um, I really, really love your music. Thank you so much. There's not really anything. It's really hard to find people nowadays. They're like inspired by the our, I mean, our favors, and then can translate in a way that you did. So Thank you. I appreciate that so much. Really cool. And we would love to listen to your music here. So we always end the show oh. with a song. <laughs> so what would you like to perform to us? Wait. You don't need to perform, but we. Oh. <laughs> I know. Well, you can if you want. You can, but like, what song would you like to play for us? Oh, okay. Um, I think that my, I still I I love Sex Crime. That's that's one of my favorites.
thank you so much for being with us today. It was so fun. Was it was so fun. great to meet you guys. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Thank you. And I can't wait to hear more about what was, remind me again, the, the name of the uh, organization that you are you're building. It's called Team Nowhere. Team Nowhere. Team, okay. Then we have an Instagram right now. Uh, don't freak out. Everybody's speaking in French on it right now, but we're trying to make <laughs> we're this trying to bring it English. To <laughs> There's our Discord too. We're going to put the link uh, on our Instagram because that's the main platform that we have so far. And we have a Twitter too. Uh, okay, awesome. I'm going to, oh, there you are. Hanging out sunset. There you a follow. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. What's up? Great meeting, chatting with you. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.